The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. My hoki mai kia the fold e mihi nei ko Duncan Grieve tokunga. My guest today is Brody Kane, who maybe maybe the most famous person to ever be on this podcast. Certainly up there. Uh, she has worked on Seven Sharp, on Breakfast, on Fair Go. She came second on Dancing with the Stars recently, and we and we touch on that. Um, she's basically been a fixture in some of our most popular and enduring uh, television shows for a long period of time. And yet, the reason I'm here to talk to her is not about any of that, uh, really. It's it's about the fact that she, uh, two years ago, founded Brodie Kane Media, which is, it's a few different things. It, it's a vehicle for her as a, a speaker and um, you know, her social media presence. But the core of it is a, is a, a nascent podcast network, which is sort of headlined by the girls and uninterrupted her flagship podcast and, and actually one of the biggest by numbers in the country. And as she tells us, that, that came out of a very abrupt redundancy that happened just as we were heading into to lockdown, you know, a very scary time for media. And I think for a lot of people that the the response to that would have been to either take whatever you could get as far as the as a job in media went or, or to, to find a new trade. And she's discussed that, that there are some out there for her, but she didn't. She started something and she's poured herself into it. And, and you know, the podcasting is obviously, if you listen to this, you, you naturally know what podcasts are, and I'm assuming you probably quite like them. People who listen to podcasts are passionate fans of the medium. I've never seen data on this. I'd really quite like to know, but you know, it's my favourite medium. Of all the different uh, forms of media I consume, maybe touch and go with newsletters, but I'd say podcasts would edge it because of the intimacy, because of it, it just feels like it's you and the host. And uh, Brody clearly feels that way too. And really this is a conversation about how you take that that sort of passion and the connection with audience and build a business out of it. And I don't think any of us can confidently say that we've figured that out yet. I think it's very established overseas, but there has been a bit of a struggle to to get that across the line here with some, um, you know, that there's a lot of interest and there's a lot happening there, but it just, it's not quite finished. And that's actually what's most interesting about it, that there's it's just all kind of unwritten. So so we talk about the business side of it. We talk about her traditional media career and how it's informed us and how actually, you know, given the option, she'd probably stay with what she's doing still. Uh, I just really, really like her as a, as a public media figure. She feels – I'm not surprised that she succeeded in podcasting because she is very unfiltered and she's sort of a, a natural and instinctive operator in a space that, you know – Public figures on her level are often 
you know, quite deliberate and and relatively closed off in terms of how they they sort of share themselves. But she's she's always been very available, and you know, you saw that in the way that she talked about her abortion uh, in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade, for example. And that I think has largely driven her success, and is why Brodie Kane Media, I think, has a real shot at becoming one of the emblematic independent podcast providers in this country. So this is Brodie Kane on the fault. Kilda Brody, and welcome to the fold. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honour. Oh, it's it's so exciting. We we have been trying to do this for a while. I think last time you were you were you're mid dancing, and now you've you've recovered from it. I'm curious because you're 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 effectively like an endurance athlete, like <laughs> just just a, along with everything else. But dancing is its own thing. Tell tell me what the the process of doing that show was like physically and the sort of emotional kind of public journey of it all? It was um, nothing like I've ever experienced and I definitely went into it knowing that um, I was like I was really fit actually because I'd just finished training for the coast to coast which didn't end up happening but I still me and a group kind of did our own version anyway so physically I was like cool I, I know that actually I'm in the greatest shape of my life I don't think anything can prepare you for um, the the brain fry, um, the exhausting nature of being completely out of your comfort zone for a really extended period of time. And being um, the, 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 that whole experience felt like I was hardly ever in control of my emotions. You know, like you were like... <laughs> You know, I, I often referred to Tantrum Tuesday because that was after the huge emotional toll of the live shows of the of the massive weekend. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, last week you learned two dances, so why not this Tuesday we not have a tantrum and panic about um, learning two dances? But no, 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 they happened every Tuesday. So you just couldn't, you just couldn't help but just be completely overwhelmed at this task that you had ahead of you. And then you were like, don't be upset, don't cry, because this is an amazing opportunity and it's just a bloody TV show. But you just, so you went through all of that and then you were like, I love this, this is amazing. Uh!" And then all (laughs) over again and around and around, you know. So it was, um, was, but it was remarkable. It was a remarkable experience and we were very, very lucky to have such a wonderful uh, cast this year who have all become pretty close. Um, so if you ask me if I'd do it again tomorrow, yes, I would do it again tomorrow. It was just, and I learned to dance <laughs> and I got second. So it was incredible. Um, and another incredible aspect of it was the way that your mum went from being a sort of a, a bit <laughs> part in one of the videos to this, like, I don't know how you describe <laughs> her. She's like sort of in part your, like this kind of bouncer, like she was, she was there, like, you could feel her presence in the audience when the judges were making their decisions. Well, she basically had her own subplot going, didn't she? Yeah, that, that's, that's a much more uh, concise way of putting <laughs> it. Uh, how, how's she finding the... How did, how did she find the, the whole experience of having you literally judged in public while she sort of sat there watching and... Well, she's always been, like, she has been to, you know, probably every single event or race or anything I have participated in, she has been there. So she is like, 
Honestly, if you're ever after some sort of support crew for uh, for anything, she is your gal. Like, she was my support crew for, like, she's there for all my marathons and, and, and coast to coast and that. So she, so I knew that she was she was an integral part of, of me. Uh, you know, I wanted her to be there, you know. Um, and so, it, but it became quite intense for her as well. Like, just the, the emotions and, and, and seeing my emotions and, and being up there, like, because she came up every weekend. Um, and so she, you know, like, it took over her life too. Um, but she loved it. Like, she loves being part of it. So um, it was really, really special. So the thing that's interesting to me is, you know, Dancing with the Stars is, is now achieved. There must be some invisible marker that when a show becomes kind of iconic in the New Zealand context. and But it's hardly the only one that you've been an integral part of. Like I, Earlier this morning I had uh, Jack Tame on the show. You've been on Breakfast with him, but but also on Q&A uh, in another capacity. You've been on Fair Go, you've been on Seven Sharp, like... You had this, and you're still young as hell. Like you've you've been basically part of all these kind of big pieces of the New Zealand media furniture, including you know, host, uh, hosting broadcast radio. And yet, we're not really here to talk about any of that. We're here to talk about you having started your own thing, which the, most of our celebrities get up each day and they could do that and they don't, but you did. Why? Well, actually, the first part of it, I didn't really have a choice because I was made redundant. And, and I, um, like, I let, like, so I, obviously I worked at TVNZ for, for six years and, and I experienced all those um, great shows that you mentioned and then got the opportunity to host a breakfast radio show in Christchurch. And it was quite an interesting decision. Um, and it was like, am I going to leave Auckland and am I going to leave TVNZ? And I really, like, got to a position where I was like, I love radio and I love the the longevity that you can have in a in a radio career. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I thought, I will go and do this. And it was on the Hits radio station and down there they were really looking to grow the audience. Um, and so I was like, you know, people often talk about whether it's a, a step forward or a sideways step. And, and I kind of think you've got to just ignore the noise around that. But for me, I was like, well, that's quite a great challenge. I, um, I thought, well, I, I'm home around my family. And I, and, and I, you know, I negotiated what I thought was like a great, great deal. So I was like, all right, well, let's go and give it a crack. And so I was very happy and, and very uh, settled and enjoying that and working hard. Um, and then we got made redundant, so remarkably out of the blue, um, just on this one day. I mean, we always used to joke. Uh, I know that Australian radio can be a lot more ruthless, but like we always industry, we yeah. always joke, joke about people getting the the white envelope. Literally, you have a bad lot of ratings in Australia, and you get past the white envelope. I don't know how true that is, but we turned up to this meeting in the morning after a show, and it was like, is that the white envelope? <laughs> what? And it was so, we were but so... But that's brutal. Yeah. Like, especially given that you had made this decision to go that way from a path that was going very well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And so, so and when I say the white envelope, I mean, I mean, there's obviously a process and whatnot that you go through, blah, blah, But you blah. knew what was up. Yeah, 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 I knew it was up. Um, and so it really took me by surprise. And then, of course, as timing would have it, this was a few weeks before COVID really kicked in here. But then, obviously, we went into that lockdown. So, you know, that happened in February. Obviously, March is when we went into lockdown. And then we saw lots of 
things happen in the media industry, you know, like the radio sport, getting gas, people, the, the mag- magazines. And it was sort of like, oh, my God. It was quite terrifying to think that I don't have a job and I'm also working in an industry where there will be no jobs. And who knows how, at that stage it was it, like... It felt like the whole industry was in danger of caving in at that time because no one was going to spend any money advertising to people who were just fundamentally locked at home and terrified. Yeah, so it was quite weird. Um, And so the first couple of weeks of lockdown were very weird. I did lockdown with mum, um, so there was lots of long walks and, and sort of talks and stuff. But I had ultimately, for some years, I had always thought how wonderful it would be to work for yourself. And I didn't quite know what that would look like, but I always thought how nice it would be to pick and choose what you did. Um, And so I'd obviously already um, started working on one podcast um, at the time, which was called Girls on Top, and we rebranded, and that was sort of going to, we were kicking that off, and we rebranded and started in the middle of lockdown. Um, And so then it was like, well, what what if I do just do that now? What if I give it a crack, and what's the worst that can happen? And so that was sort of, you know, using that time, to go, well, okay, let's start Brody Kane Media. Let's focus on some of the things that you're good at and, and, and just sort of see how that goes, essentially. It seems like it's gone really well. You know, just looking, you know, as someone who's done a similar thing, albeit um, started a, it feels like a lot smaller and, and took it a lot longer to get going. But, you know, you look at the number of brand partnerships, you look at the public facing metrics and, it must be really validating to have that, you know, you were, I didn't realise the extent to which this was sort of forced upon you, but having made that decision to have the, you know, com- commercial partners come through and also an audio, a really substantial in the context of New Zealand podcast audience develop, that that must be quite gratifying to look back on that two years later. Yeah, and I think it's, um, like, I- I've learned some pretty important lessons along the way and I think it's really important for anyone starting out on their own to realize that like you can't just do it on your own you have to it's okay to ask people for help and like more often than not you'll get some great advice and I remember though in the like in the first few months though and I think it was still like the pressure and feeling like because we're so used to traditional forms of media here in New Zealand you felt like you were you were like and this is this sounds really um I guess shallow, but unfortunately, you know, you have to stay relevant in, in in order for people to give a crap about what you're saying. So, you know, there was the panic of like, well, I'm not, I don't have a radio show, I don't have a television show, how do I, am I still interesting enough for people to want to listen to? And, you know, a lot of, so that like jumped up the activity that I was doing on social media. So mum and I were doing a, like during lockdown and that, like the Joe Bro show, which we talked to different celebrities every night you know it was just trying to grow that audience because I could control that it was like if I can keep an audience somewhere that's where I'll keep it and so that, that was the strategy to develop the social audience and port that across to a medium which had more commercial potential yeah right. well I mean I was like okay I have a relatively strong Instagram following I have to treat that as my own my own little TV station you know what I mean so it was like it became more important to be entertaining and, 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 and sharing myself every day because I didn't have the show, I didn't have anything else to do it by. And then but we did have we already did have a loyal following with what's now obviously the girls uninterrupted. And so it was like, okay, how how do we go by this? But let me be clear, um, 
I would say right now that 80 to 85% of the work that I do, I'm not getting paid or I'm not paying myself. And you would understand that you have a vision and you can see where something is going to go and where you want it to go. But it takes a while. But so that's where, like, and I, and I genuinely love emceeing events and public speaking. And, yeah, your social ma- media um, partnerships as well pay for all of the hours of doing and producing and getting the podcasts off the ground. Um, and one of the reasons I moved back up to Auckland was to then upskill myself into getting more into the commercial side of it. You know, I can edit a podcast, I can produce it, I can help put one together. I'm not a sales rep by nature, but I have to be, you know, so that's where the next sort of challenges lie. Yeah, I mean, that's I was going to ask you about that because it is it's tremendously complex. Like, like you you come from you've got this particular background, and then you have to just sort of build out by trial and error and blundering into offices and feeling the fear and doing it anyway and all that corny stuff. Um, you know, to 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 will this thing that you is like a figment of your imagination into into being how are you finding that that other aspect of it like the beyond the the stuff that you know very well how to do the stuff that you're just absolutely figuring out on the fly well in some ways it's quite fun because i think particularly in new zealand as well it is still relatively yeah we're, we're like in the overall scheme of things new zealand's still quite fresh i guess in the podcast space it's really kicking off now because everyone wants a podcast um so it's great to it's great to be at that advantage, and you know, and so I feel like there's a plus to it because New Zealand, I think, is still all, will always be a unique market, and we don't necessarily always operate like overseas. So we can kind of make things up as we go along. And I actually said that I spoke at a podcast panel thing uh, this morning with my uh, my agent had organised, um, and I said that I said we've got a really unique opportunity here in New Zealand, whereby. Um, we don't have to do everything like they do in America and put thousands of ads on a podcast. We don't have to, we can sort of create our own rules, but we need you guys to come along with us now and take us seriously. And and the, the, the reason that is true is because if you look at listenerships of podcasts, it's huge. And the level of engagement is so much more in terms of the people that are listening. So I feel like where it is right now is at a tipping point because, you know, if you think about, television, radio and print, people are used to how they've paid for their advertising and know what they're getting and have done so for years. It's dipping the toes into something that's new. So so you're trying to take them along with you and it's really exciting. Am I still learning? Yes. Have I got, like, I'm about to sort of step into a different kind of realm of um, advertising and I'm like, okay, and I'm just giving everything a crack and we'll just see how that goes. And, and that's kind of, I think that that's where we all are on some level, you know, that, like one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you was because, you know, Jane and Tahir and, and myself have been sort of really working on the Spin-Off Podcast Network, you know, has just had similar qualities. Like, you know, we knew we had audience for some of our existing properties. We were massive consumers of podcasts and we knew, you know, the feedback you get is incredible and it's, you know, both from you know, big audiences in their own right, but also the different kinds of people and the way they engage with it. You're like, this is a a fantastic medium. And yet, because so much spend goes through big media agencies, which which 
can quite often just be, they're not hostage to, but they, it is easier to do the thing that you were doing yesterday, tomorrow, and you're asking them to, to, to learn something new and value something new. But you know, it's, it's interesting that you, you know, you, you know, to hear you talk about a tipping point, because I think that's true, but we do struggle a little bit, and I'd be interested to get your perspective on this, is that, that quite often brands will want to make their own podcast, and then they have to build a podcast audience from scratch, which, as we know, is incredibly difficult, whereas in having some way of, in, of working with an existing podcast with a big audience that sort of fits with what they're doing is a far more cost-efficient way that actually naturally fits the, the format. What, what has been your experience of, of partnering with, um, with organisations in that podcast space? Yeah, well, as I sort of alluded to before, it's the very fashionable item at the moment. Um, and the reality is anyone can buy a microphone and start a podcast, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Very centry, you know. Yeah, yeah right, right. Low. You know, and, and, I, and I think that, I, I, think it's, I think it is great, but um, they're hard work. And so I think um, I'm definitely seeing a correlation to, like I guess the the influencer space sort of morphing into the podcast space, and you know what? That's fine. Let that be that. You know, yeah. let that be that. And I, but what I think happens is there tends to be this kind of turn your nose up at at that kind of at, at these because it's new and people don't know enough and it's not traditional. So I, I feel like sometimes we get a bit like that um, with things. I, I, if I liken it to when Seven Sharp started. And we all worked on the show, and the aim of it was to be new and offer offer up, I guess, news and current affairs in an entertaining way. And by gosh, you know, that went down initially like a cup of cold sick because everyone was like, you know, everyone was angry that you'd taken this, you know, huge show off telly um, and you'd put something else on and people were showing their personality and it just it, it didn't work. For, for people that people didn't like the people change. claim to want um, to like new things and want want innovation but there's a much more powerful urge to resist it or to complain about it particularly when something is finding its feet and yeah that, that, that might well be be something that's playing into this right well but 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 then I think what I, what I think is happening is that's more um, people dare I say it from the older generation who are still making the decisions around sponsorship or who work in, um, you, know, you know, if you think about, let's just say, a, a News Talk ZB audience and the people that work for it are of a particular age. But what I think's happened is there's a massive chunk of the population who have been ignored. Um, and so that's why... You've got things like Netflix and Neon and all, and, and all these, and then your podcasts. People have never had more access and never more choice than now. And so I learned pretty quickly on Seven Sharp that, okay, well, this is what we're going to do and we're going to try and change and what, what will be will be. If you don't catch up or keep up with change, you're going to get left behind. And I actually genuinely think that. And I, and I feel like there is often an attitude of snobbery to things like change. Now, I'll give you an example of what I really struggle with, but I'm like, if I don't keep trying, I won't keep up. And that's TikTok. So I look at TikTok and I'm still like, some days it just hurts my soul, <laughs> um, my creative soul. But other days I'm like, well, actually, 
if I set up a Girls Uninterrupted TikTok f- page and we can put up funny little TikToks, that's a really easy way to try and grow new audience. So it can work for you. So it's like trying to realise that things are evolving and moving very, very quickly. And if you don't change with them, you know, you will get left behind. So I feel like I'm hoping that in the podcast space, people are realising that actually it is a valid space. It's a very wonderful um, form of medium and um, that it's here to stay, you know. So so jump on, you know. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Transparently... For, for transparently self-interested reasons, but also because I genuinely <laughs> yeah, believe in, totally. in this format. It's, it's probably the one that I listen to, probably the media that I consume the most and, and enjoy the most. I think that's true of a lot more people than we give it credit for. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Let's talk about the girls uninterrupted because it in the by the state like I get quite annoyed. I'm I'm sh- I'm not sure if you do about the extent to which you know we had the New Zealand Podcast Awards a few months ago and it was dominated by uh, radio, mm-hmm. which is just you know stuff that was broadcast on air and has been cut up to put into a, a podcast stream. Which to my mind that actually isn't what a podcast is. Like it's you know. It's, it's digital audio delivered through the same channels, but its its values, its shape, its format is all dictated by by its core format. And this is a second. Well, so it was a highlights radio highlights. It's, it's a, it's, exactly, yeah. and you know, like fair play, people like to listen to it. But I think the podcast audience is different and probably doesn't necessarily gravitate towards that. That's probably a a disintermediated radio audience that is consuming that. So setting those audiences aside, and probably even including them, the girls uninterrupted is a very, very big podcast in, in the New Zealand context. What's it about and what do you think has driven its growth? Because it could theoretically have, you know, have be something that came out of traditional media and I, I suppose it has some relationship to that. But fundamentally, it feels naturally a, a podcast and it feels naturally an independent podcast. Well, I guess what's great about it is you've got... Um, I feel like it, it definitely has evolved as we have. So it's three women navigating life and talking about sometimes we're being smart and talking about smart things and sometimes talking about utterly, you know, Love Island, which I'm obsessed by. So it's like it's it's a space that's okay to be whatever it needs to be. 
But also I think, you know, why it is a podcast, of course, is because there's obviously stuff on it that you wouldn't, that you're not allowed. Well, I don't know whether you're allowed to, but where you don't just talk about on the radio or well, We could on talk television. right now, and I'd quite like to, about what you thought of, of Andrew's behaviour during Casar uh, Moore. <gasps> which you, you can't really do in other formats, but no. I really want to know what, 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 with the way that, that he kind of claimed to have been mugged, but I think ultimately mugged himself. To be honest, that relationship's been doomed from day one. He liked her... He's always liked her more than she's liked him. I think she's got real insecurity issues, though, and I think she was flawed in terms of doubting their relationship and sort of looking for validation elsewhere. So the, the, the seeds of doubt were planted too early for both of them. And then what he did when she was away was just a, an ultimate silly boy rebound, hot-headed, you know? I quite enjoyed the way that Coco just completely ripped the metaphorical sheets oh, off, oh. literally what happened. Yeah, and so, uh, like, for for a moment I felt a bit sorry for him earlier than that because I felt like he really, really liked Tash. But no, they're... It feels so hella doomed now. It's doomed, it's doomed. Anyway, <laughs> that's why podcasts are good, even if you didn't like that, because you have the right to, to, to be digressive in a way that you can't in the tight format of commercial radio. Like it just it just doesn't naturally allow for it. So you you took the, the pod on tour, was it last year, year before? Year before, 2020. What did you find? Because pods attract a particular type of fan that I think is kind of, you know, that's almost where you feel the intensity and the intimacy of the relationship in a different way to the kind of big mass audience of more tightly controlled media products. Well, you're their friends. Yeah. You're, you're their, there's that hilarious meme that always does the rounds, which is a chick sitting next to a poster, looking at the poster of the other two <laughs> chicks going, this is what it feels like to be in a podcast. And so, but I feel like um, you can have a, a, a authenticity in a way that you can't on that on, on on the traditional forms, you can bear your soul. Um, you can um, you, you know you look at Caitlin. You know people have come along Caitlin's journey from deciding to leave radio and become a nurse. So you're following a cycle, and and your level of um, I guess relatability when you're just navigating your life um, with with them, um, I think is probably what's been so good about it. Um, and look, you know, as I say, it, it, it's probably, I, I don't necessarily think it's changed, um, but we, we have changed. So, so you know, it, it literally has gr- grown with, with us and how our lives have changed. But, you know, I feel like you meet, yeah, on, on that tour, you meet a, a whole bunch of people who adore being part of a community with you. And... I feel like we under you know like never underestimate a group getting together as well and 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 having um the same I guess goals and aspirations or even just you know being together is a really really powerful thing and so we had a few girls that were like oh I, I don't have anyone to go with it's like come along like that's how you'll meet new friends so it's this as, as cliche as it sounds it is it is actually a community and you trust them so you actually, it's a more intimate space where you actually trust them. So, you know, we've, we've actually talked about it a couple of times now, but, you know, when I, I, the last time I did it was actually last week. We've talked about, you know, like hemorrhoids. 
and you're like, oh gosh, are we going to go there? You know, like it's so, you know, do we? Is there anything we leave at home? You know, and it's like, no, nah, not really. But then you'll get like we got five or six messages just saying, thank you, for, gosh, thank you. Like you, you know, when you ever have anything like that, you always feel like gross and yuck. But you girls normalising it is amazing, you know. So, so it is you, you've got to remember that um, is the the simplicity of it is actually probably the best part of it. I mean, that that to me is also a big part of what has made you this quite singular presence in our media because I think, you know, if we think about the media as, as we grew up with, there were the, the notion of the celebrity was a particular type of person. They were very well controlled. They said the right thing in the right place. Or even if they were a bit outrageous, it was in a very kind of controlled way. And I think about the way that you were on on dancing or that you, you know, like, the the way that you responded to the 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 abortion <laughs> protest is that there seems to be that like you just try and be an authentic self and I think that's probably what has gravitated has made people gravitate towards you because you feel qualitatively different to a more controlled and kind of airbrushed celebrity and that again lends itself to to podcasting as a medium because there isn't really anywhere to hide in it like you, you know like or, or it succeeds much more if the audience feel like they can relate to the vision of you that you present and I think that um, you're right I feel like since since going out and 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 sort of being my own boss and that you are able to allow yourself to be absolutely you and no one's using you which is great so there's this feeling of freedom. Um, and it's really, really nice. And, you know, I, I've learned a lot from my mum over the years. She's a very strong woman. Um, she's had, you know, some quite high-profile jobs in terms of, like, local government, and she's always in the paper for the headline because she's always not afraid to say what she believes or thinks. But over the years, and, and things obviously have changed a little bit now, but, you know, she'd get a lot of backlash from that because it was like oh, who's this stroppy woman or, you know, oh, she's, you know, you're always outspoken just when you're speaking, you know, <laughs> like that that classic term is, is you know, uh, problematic. But I think, yeah, I, I think probably being um, independent for a while and, and sort of watching how the, the world operates is you just have a different perspective on what's actually important. And so for me, I think that, that also changes, you know, like the deciding to talk about my abortion was a big decision, but then again, it, it, it felt right. And But that was my decision that I didn't have to ask 10 bosses for. You know, I just talked to a couple of my mum my and a couple of mates and went, I'm going to do this, what do you think, kind of thing. And so it's a, it's a real freedom that I've felt in these past couple of years, which I love. I was going to touch on that. And, and, and I guess that kind of leads me to a good place to... To end it is, you know, having experienced being inside the, the the big machines and and having succeeded by any standards very well within them, and now having done the really hard thing and set up on your own, do you, you know, do you feel like this is where you're going to stay now? And and as hard as it is, that uh, you know, Brody Kane Media and 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 working this thing out is is your future. Yeah, I'd love to, I, I would absolutely love that to be the case. Like I, I would love to carry on in, a, in an independent way. And I always sort of said to myself, um, 
give it a crack, but you have to be honest when you think that maybe, okay, it's in, in its current form it's not working or maybe you'll do that and then, you know, like I've always thought I'd be quite a good police officer. So if it sort of doesn't quite work out to how I'd like it, I think I'd, you know, I'd do something like that or maybe jump back into the army or something and, you know, do do other things. So I feel like um, if you have an, a, an open mind to... Um, to having goals and, and, and ways you want things to go, but recognising if that's not quite working out or, I guess, what's the buzzword, pivoting. But ultimately, I feel in a really good space because particularly with with the podcasts and what they can also lend to, like like events and, um, gosh, you know, web series and, and, and things like that, creating things and, and being your own boss and being able to charge through with those, I'm really excited because it isn't the podcast space in New Zealand is in a really good place and it's only going to get better um, and like I'm ready so I reckon we I reckon we're good to go and as I say if it turns to shit I'll just go and be a police officer not just sorry I don't, shouldn't say just but I might come and go and be an awesome per- person in the police I think you would but I don't think you're going to get the opportunity because <laughs> <laughs> you've got it you've got it hey thanks so much for coming on the fold Brody it's been a pleasure thank you for having me The Fold was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with Daylight. It was hosted by Duncan Grieve, produced by T.I. Hair Butler, with production management by Rachel LaRue and series production by Jane Yee. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiai Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.